Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it's always a great adventure discussing church vitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. My name's Josh. That's my dad, Stan. Pastoral life is an adventure. Yes, it is. And silent partner Mike is here, man in the knobs at Mission Control. Just by way of review, if you listened to last week's episode, and hopefully you did, then you heard us discuss part one of this concept of images in the church biblical images biblical of images the of the church yes pictures in scripture that represent the local church correct we covered this idea of the church as a flock with a shepherd and uh, also the idea of the church as a holy temple mm-hmm. built yeah a building built for god to dwell in and reflect his glory we the people of the church are actually the living stones of that temple that's right and we're also sheep that's right and he is our shepherd he's our guide and our leader and our helper and he's the master craftsman of the other image so both images have a ton of beauty i like to encourage pastors to know these images because they help you sometimes when you're just going through a sort of a valley as a pastor you're figuring out you know you get a little lost sometimes you have to go all right so you know, is this a shepherding moment? Is this a craftsman moment? Uh, kind of, kind of, what am I doing here? And what's the Lord doing behind the scenes with all this? Because He's the one doing the master work. Uh, we're just, we're just working with Him on that. So it's really important that pastors have these images, especially. I'm going to say to our young pastors. You know, if you're in your twenties for sure, thirties or forties, and you haven't studied the six or so really good images of the New Testament church that the, the scriptures paint for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't talked, looked those up and actually meditated on the church as a flock and the shepherd being Jesus, the church as a building and Jesus being the, the cornerstone and the master builder who's building it out of people and how those people have to fit together for the glory of God. If you haven't taken time to do some of that, be really important to absolutely you know, maybe your summer break yeah you go off somewhere with your family for a weekend holiday weekend or whatever you just need to to look those passages up and get some meditation yeah, dig into that so it's really important for pastors to understand these i think i think it helps you a ton and the, the two we're going to discuss today are incredibly important yeah we are going to continue that discussion and you want to look at this idea of the local church being the body of christ probably the most popular image that Absolutely. people know about the church is that it's the body of Christ is the yep. term we use all the time. All the time. And it's considered, 1 Corinthians 12 makes it crystal clear that we are the body of Christ. Um, Colossians 1, though, says that the head, Colossians 1.18, says Christ is the head of the body, the church, 
and he is beginning the firstborn from all the dead um, so that he will have first place in everything. So we have to be sure when we talk about ourselves as a body, we understand that we're just the body and the the head part, yeah. <laughs> the brains exactly. of the operation is actually Jesus Christ. Yeah, and speaking of Jesus, it, it's such a great analogy because, uh, and this is one thing I like about this analogy really, and, and you, you mentioned it because it, it, it's one of the most common ones. But when, when Jesus was here on earth and doing his earthly ministry, he used really simple analogies all the time to explain mm-hmm. things because he knew we were all, you know, C students and we, we were going to be slow and not get a lot of things. And so when he would explain something or use a parable to explain something, um, you know, he would do it with real simple terminology. I think the latter New Testament is the same way with a lot of analogies because it'll describe the local church as a body or a flock. And it's it's a word picture, like you're saying, that helps us understand, Okay, we all have various roles to play. And, you know, a body has different parts and we all fit together. Exactly. And if one of us is missing, something's incomplete. That's exactly right. And that's that's the picture. First um, Corinthians 12, even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. And the body is not one member, but many. We're all parts of the body of Christ. Absolutely. That's what it says in First Corinthians 12. Yep. We're all parts. So in a local church, you have 15 people, five people in a good, healthy local church. You can have five people that will function together using their spiritual gifts. The Bible tells us that the gifts that are given to us as spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body. That's right. So it's literally to make the church healthy is why you have spiritual gifts. If you have administrative gifts or teaching gifts or hosting gifts or shepherding gifts or craftsmanship gifts, whatever Mm -hmm. your spiritual gift is, it's for it's been given to you by God for the use in the local church. And if you and if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there's some great online resources for that. I will drop some of the link to that in the show notes uh, for all of you. You can take spiritual gift tests online. We have different resources. We, we recommend have, we have for a lady in our church that's created her own oh, ministry yeah. doing that. Right. We, we use it continuously at our church. Exactly. If she goes here, it's, it's a nice deal for us, but it would be very valuable for you to use. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, highly recommend GPS. all that. GPS. Yeah, LifeWalk GPS. LifeWalk GPS. And if, uh, while we're on the topic of spiritual gifts, I'm just going to jump down here to this other question that I had because since we're father and son and our brains think alike, I threw a question in about that. Mm -hmm. If you have, if you're a pastor and somebody at your, your church is, um, has been going there for, let's say, a really long time, like a long time, long time member, um, somebody that's been attending for a long time, and you've recognized a spiritual gift in their life, but they're not using it at full capacity, but they're a part of the body, how do you kind of go about encouraging them to do that? They're, they're not being a functioning, active member of the body. That's what you're talking about here. Yeah. And so it leaves the body incomplete. It's, it's hey, you have a gift, and right. we, we have a need for whatever that gift is. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and I would love to say I have a great answer for that. <laughs> my, my first answer is I don't know, because when you said that, I could name three or four people over the years of my ministry. Yeah, that, it's hard. That literally sat on the perimeter of everything good oh, yeah. happened at the church, oh, and yeah. they were extremely gifted people yep. that you just never could convince to apply Pl- To plug in. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, some, some of that is going to be in the spiritual realm where, you know, maybe they, maybe they really don't have a Jersey and are on the team. Maybe they have a Jersey they bought at Walmart and they yeah. act like they're on the team. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like those exactly. go to Al- you know, think, <laughs> think we're an Alabama player, but we're really that not. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the heart of hearts, I think most of them were, are devout or, are, are important or 
Christians. Yeah. And they have a sincere relationship sure. with the Lord, but they just don't want to plug in for whatever reason. And sometimes it may take the Holy Spirit moving. Yeah, in, for in whatever. That world. That's really all he's I gonna have to con- say is the Holy he's Spirit. He's going to have to convict them. You know, I've sat down with several of them, having some incredibly hard conversations oh, yeah. and some and some pleading conversations oh, yeah. and some kind conversations to call them into ministry, but but they don't want to be a part of that. So most the ones that I know that are sort of stuck stuck on the perimeter stubbornly. Yeah, if they so, have a gift, I always encourage. But some mm-hmm. some of them just you know if they if they don't budge, they don't budge. So, but the but the image of the body is so important because we're all part of it. And exactly, just like you're talking about this one person, this one guy, this one gal, these two two guys, two gals in your church that have a spiritual gift have been given by God to the church for Absolutely. that gift. And if they aren't functioning, it's literally like saying, well, th- that church is doing well, except if you notice that they walk with a limp. Yep, exactly. You know, or they're, it's just they're like, handi- they're it's handicapped. A, it's the handicapped church thing. Yep. I've told you many times, most churches need a big, giant handicap yep. uh, symbol on the front door that says our church is handicapped. And the reason it's handicapped is because the people that are regularly attending will not apply their gifts. Right. Um, and, you know, I've served in those churches for years, and it is frustrating as a pastor for mm. sure. Mm. But you, you preach the word, you encourage, you teach, you try to shepherd and disciple those that you can to be a part of that, to, to plug in. You know, if, if your church has got some mercy showers in it, they need people that are administrators. Mercy showers typically don't administrate, don't run things well. Um, administrators need mercy showers though, because an administrator just ignores the needs a right. lot of times. They're just trying to get to the get their budget lines all just like they need to be and get everything straight. You know, if there's people with spiritual gifts of prophecy and truth telling, they love to tell the truth. They need shepherds alongside them that can show them how to how to tell the truth without offending everybody in the building. Yeah, right? We definitely don't want that. But happen. but the shepherd also needs a prophet that'll speak the truth when it's time to speak the truth and not spend all day trying to get to it. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, there are times when sheep need to be wounded, and prophets are good at that. Yep. They just have to be tempered with shepherds alongside them a lot of times. Strong teachers in the church need need people that can host. Sometimes you have this great teacher, but when you go to his house for the Bible study, yeah, there's he doesn't no, have a clue about hosting. There's no <laughs> snacks. You know, we didn't even vacuum the carpet. You're just here for him. You're to, just here. Here for him to do a. Not a, that we've ever a, been to anything truth, like that. Truth dump, and y'all go home now. <laughs> You know, nobody brought coffee. Nobody did anything. Yeah, so, and, and, at, and at our house, that's why mom is there. So that's exactly That's exactly, exactly why mom's there. So, <laughs> Even though you're the pastor of the yeah. church, that's why mom's there. Yeah, but you can't have a hostess <laughs> do, teaching the class because the hostess has a gift of hosting. Oh, yeah. May not have a, ho- may not have a teaching gift. That's so, right. So, again, they all fit together. When the church members don't function well together, they, they literally function handicapped. But when they do, yep. you know, there's... There's a beauty about a church that's actually fully functioning with all the members and regular attenders applying their gift. There's an incredible ministry power, yeah. powerfulness that can happen it's, there. It's literally, you know, run and not grow weary moment. It's where exactly. the church can actually get out and get into the community, display the, the light and of, of the glory of God into a community with all its functioning parts. Yep. And the, the community needs a functioning church. Exactly. So it's a it's a very important analogy and we say it all the time that the local church is the hope of the world so mm-hmm. um so for, for every day to be functioning together uh is is absolutely important right um and that brings us to the next piece of imagery which is uh this idea out of ephesians 5 uh, that the local church is the bride of christ now this is an interesting one because some it's of us one of my favorites but yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard <laughs> It is hard, and especially if you weren't, uh, I was saying this earlier, especially if you weren't raised in church or maybe you haven't been 
around church for a long time, and we have some people that attend our church that were that way. You might not associate this this idea of a bride because we think of a bride in marriage as like something being romantic with the local church or God's relationship with the church. So there's kind of but it actually has all of those. It, it does, too. it does, which is interesting. John so. fourteen, one of my favorite verses. John fourteen, Jesus looking at his disciples yep. says, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me." In my Father's house are many dwelling places. places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I need to go prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you'll be also. Exactly. A Galilean wedding betrothal had that line in it. Um, That's the betrothal of Jesus to his disciples to say, hey, I'm coming back to get. I'm going to go build a home at my dad's house. Yep. And when dad says it's time, remember Jesus said, only the Father knows. Yeah, exactly. It's a Galilean wedding. It's a Galilean wedding dialogue. When Dad says it's time, I'm going to come back and get you. Yep. When it, when a Galilean would propose to a woman, she would drink his the family wine from a cup, hand the cup back to the exact hand the cup back to mm-hmm. the uh, groom, and the groom would make this statement: "I will not drink this again until we're drinking it together until in my father's together. house." Same thing Jesus said at the upper at room. The upper room. So it's all a picture of Jesus being deeply in love with the followers of Christ, mm. those who are genuine followers of Christ. Who will forsake, you know, what they need to forsake, who will bear up their cross and follow him. Jesus has a tremendous relationship. Uh, he, I believe it's more than spiritual. I believe it's an emotional. Sure. I believe it's it's a romantic relationship. I believe he loves sure. us passionately. Enough to die on the cross for us. Right. You know, so it's a well, very Jesus strong. shed tears over over, over it, the, yeah, the, yeah. the church. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, numerous times it's exactly and what, blood it's exactly what you're describing and blood it's a very beautiful picture especially coming out of Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. there so the the analogy and word picture I think is like you're saying um, with his death on the cross one of sacrificial love for sure just just like a well, loving, when we get a loving heaven, husband when we get would heaven, sacrifice what does he say we're going to have what yeah. we have when we get to heaven a wedding feast yeah, the exactly. wedding feast of the lamb yep <laughs> right so <laughs> all Ephesians happen. 5 tells us the husbands to love their wives I never get through this uh, when I'm doing a wedding, when I'm looking right into the eyes of a young man, I'm, I'm quoting this verse to him, and I never get through a good wedding with this. Um, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present himself to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle. The, the challenge, of course, in the text is that the husband is supposed to be presenting his wife to the body of Christ, to, to the Lord, right. this way. But Jesus is doing that for the church. Jesus is our bride, our groom, and he's presenting to his father, the church, as a purified, sanctified, holy, and beautiful bride. So our job as pastors is to keep the church pure to work hard to keep holiness and sanctification and purity and blamelessness, all those things in the church and not let the world get in the church so that it taints it. Right. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to show up on the wedding day of the feast right. as a, as a bride that's just all covered in mud and exactly the world, exactly. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to look like that. Um, and it actually says in verse 32, Ephesians five thirty-two, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Paul's actually saying, look, I know it sounds like I'm talking about husbands and wives, and I am, but I'm also talking about this mystery of the church being the bride of Christ. Um, and we, we are a physical bride. There's tons of verses all through Revelation, Corinthians, 
that refer to this. Um, Revelation 21, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. It's awesome. <laughs> so I've never thought of myself as a wife, <laughs> but as, as a whole body, yep. the church is a bride. It's the local church. And when you start thinking about all of that, as a pastor, when you really start getting into your head what it means to be the bride of Christ, man, your brain can just go so many places. I, I've said this to several people in the last couple of weeks um, in, in meetings in my office with people that are um, sort of gossiping and trying to damage people in the church. There's a you know a little conflict happening, and their their goal is to get that somebody in the church's name hurt. Right. Right. Because they've been hurt, they sure. think they think something happened that maybe didn't happen. I don't know. Who, who cares all who the cares? details? Right. Here's the problem: you're messing with the bride of Christ. Bride you're of not Christ. just messing with an individual now. Exactly. You exactly. know, it's not this person's not just an individual. They're a member of the bride of Christ, and you're trying to damage them inside and, and, their circle and Jesus of the bride. Jesus takes that very seriously. Yeah, yeah. There's there's one thing you can come. There's I, one I, thing I, you don't want to do. <laughs> told this analogy numerous times, and I'm you know 60 years old, and I move a lot slower than I used to. But you can come into my front yard while I'm cutting grass and mess with me. If you're some guy that wants to mess with me, try to throw punches or whatever. I'm going to try to dodge him. I'm going to try not to hurt you to get you out of my yard. Sure. You know, but if you get too serious, now we're going to get real serious. Right. I'll get as serious as, as I need to to not exactly. get myself killed. Exactly. Because I love my family. But I'm going to do all I can to get you out of my yard without actually, you know, sending you to the hospital in a coma. Right. Right. But if and if I wife, have to, my I'll wife call is, silent partner Mike while all that's going that'll on. That'll work. Just, I'll just call him to yeah. the yard. Too. <laughs> but if my wife is in the front yard and a stranger comes up and messes with her, right? I it's gloves off. Yeah. There, there will be no patience moment. There's no. Right. There's no. Hey, buddy, you don't. Don't you dare touch her. Right. It's a. Did you touch her? You're. You're down. Yeah. You're on the you're ground. Out. I'm punching. I'll them. go to jail. Yeah. yeah. I'm not even. My high mercy just left immediately because it's my bride. That's right. So I'm and I, I know my voice is cracking now because. You know, I've had that raspy thing all the for a few days. Yeah, but but here's here's the challenge: <laughs> when we when you don't do something well for the church as a pastor, when you get lazy about caring for your church, that's right. It's his bride. You know, he takes that really really serious. It's his bride. We have to be as pastors. We have to be on our guard all the time to give our very best. That's right. And then help our church members understand, as a bride, we have to be our very best. They we have to be purified. Have we have to keep our lamps are, trimmed. All those analogies. Some... Keep your lamps trimmed. Keep your keep your garments spotless. All those analogies have to do with the, with being ready for the wedding to kick off. And for the for the churchgoers who listen to our podcast, because we have those as well, this podcast isn't just for pastors, and you know that, and I know that. So what are some ways that, because we're going to talk about, you know, you, you mentioned it a second ago, striving for holiness and righteousness, and that the bride needs to be that way. What are some practical ways that they can do that? Just give us give us a list of three or four. Yeah, we're back. Be in the be in the word every day. Yeah, purify yourself, purify in, the yourself word. in the word. It's the washing of yep, the word. The Titus the word. three says the washing of the word helps. Exactly. So husbands and fathers and godly men in the church working with the children of the church, yep. even if they don't have husbands with and your, fathers yeah, with their or have fathers, um, the the men of the church should be familiar with enough with the word to help. The water, the water of the word, wash through and help them, exactly, uh, and purify the church. Um, you also have to have accountability um, with one another. 
And the men of the church, as well as the women, should have accountability groups where you can talk about what's impure in your life and how sure. can I get that out and and transparency and vulnerability. You know, and, you have and to be able to you, say. And when an impurity comes up or happens, you don't just because you know we see this in in churches, but just in the Christian life in general. When when somebody calls something out in you, you deal with it. You don't just let it yeah, go. Don't run. Don't, don't get mad. Don't get mad. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so important as as ministers that we model that. Yep. That exactly. we model that. And, I, you know, I have my accountability circle, that, and I just tell them, hey, if you see something in me, I'm more than willing to get on my face before God and you guys and get that right. Yeah, and it's not just a, you know, oh, I see it. Oh, okay, it's there. Okay, you know, now right. I'm moving on. It's a, no, we're going to stop and deal with this. Yeah, and then I'm going to have a lot of checkup. Right, you know? I mean, exactly. I, I wrestle with a number of things. Spiritual pride stays on my list that I constantly ask people to just back me up on that. If you sense there's an arrogant tone in anything I'm doing, I gotta have that under control because I've seen how Jesus responds to arrogant people, and it wasn't good. It was not good. I do not want to be on the other side of that. <laughs> That's right. But but all of that to say, the bride is supposed to be purified. The, the shepherd of the flock. I'm mixing our analogies up now. Hey, it works <laughs> but, though. Yeah, but the, the shepherd of the flock needs to purify himself so he can help purify the bride. Um, and, and it takes some time. It takes some time, but it is a beautiful beautiful image about the indescribable sacrifice and love that Jesus has for us. It also is an image that says as a minister, if I love this bride that I serve, I'll take a whole bunch of beatings from it. Right. Because the bride of Christ actually is who crucified Christ. Exactly. The the people that he died for were the sinners that he died for were the ones crucifying me. Father, forgive them. Yep. They know not what they do. Exactly. So as a church pastor, I have to recognize sometimes the pe- the very people I'm sacrificing for. That's a deep personal love. Yeah, and loving them deeply, they're the ones that are actually trying to crucify me. Been mm-hmm. there, done that. Oh, yeah. Numerous times. Yep. You know, 40 years of ministry. I think most, you, most pastors I'll can show probably you raise their hands You show that. me yours. You know, come <laughs> to our conference and we'll compare scars. Oh, yeah. Um, not to tell war stories, but we'll, we'll, we'll do it in love. Oh, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, the love that Christ has for us is off the charts, Sacrificial, generous, endure ever from ever. He loves us from everlasting to everlasting. It says in the Psalms. So he wants us as a bride to have that same love back toward him and to worship him like that. Um, He personally loves us enough to forgive us, to cleanse us, to purify us, to sanctify us, to build a home for us in heaven, and to live forever with him. He wants us to live with him forever. So that's a beautiful picture to remind your church all the time that we need to strive to be holy and pure and righteous so we're an honorable bride when he returns. We, we want to be an honorable bride. I would like when the Lord comes back, if it's today or you know 50 years from now, Absolutely. and I'm still around, I would love for him to look at Northside and go, man, I don't need to do any cleansing for you before you get in home. home. You're, come on home. Good to go. Yeah, good to go. Good to go. Um, because we're walking with him in purity and in love. That's excellent. And that requires us to be discipling one another and small group vulnerability and transparency and all the good stuff that the scriptures, all the one another's <laughs> yep. that go with the scriptures. Exactly. That's excellent. Two great pictures today, the bride and the body. So, all right, we're, we will have part three of this discussion out for our next episode. And that's going to do it for us today on this one. And we want all of you to be sure to check out the details of our upcoming pastors conference by visiting the Shepherd Summit tab on our website at 614ministries.org. I'm Josh, that's Stan, silent partner Mike. 
Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.